This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. I don't know if anybody was aware, but I just wanted to clarify something from the weekend in case you came out of it unsure. Zach Wilson, not good at football. Not good at football, as it turns out. Or as Joe pointed out to us last week, the sharp betters were very much on the idea that Aaron Rodgers was better than Zach Wilson. Yeah, he was worth about six points more. And, and guess was, what? Uh, <laughs> you saw they it? They might have been a little light there. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I, I'm just, I can't watch this. And I'm the guy that's sitting here last week saying they have to play him because at the moment it's their best option until they can actually convince the Minnesota Vikings to trade Kirk Cousins. It's their best option. And it can't be. It just, it can't be, Joe. You can't. Mike White's gone. Mike White wasn't very good. People can jump up and down about how great he was. He had two great games and he was two and five as a starter and Basically, nine interceptions and I think five touchdowns. He's not very good, okay? He's the backup in Miami because somebody else was dumb enough to go and do that. Zach Wilson is going to kill the Jets. He's going to kill their season. But right now, what else can they possibly do in the moment other than continue to try to pump the guy up and the kid tries to go up there and act like he's learned from his mistakes, and it just doesn't feel like that's the case at all. It doesn't feel like it. Should. No. It, the Jets know what they have here. All right? This isn't – what happened in that game against Dallas was not surprising. It's the same thing that always happens with Zach Wilson. He doesn't play well, and his team loses. Nothing about what we saw in that matchup Sunday afternoon should change any opinions. There's nothing that's going to happen moving forward that's going to change Wilson and turn him into a competent quarterback. He was god-awful in that game. God-awful. And that's exactly what we said last week was going to happen. You want to start him, fine. But this is a guy that's been in your building for two-plus seasons now. You know him better than anyone. This is a guy that you were quietly trying to pump up in the offseason, hoping someone would dangle a pick in front of you so you could trade him. You didn't even want him. He's here. He's backing up Aaron Rodgers. You hoped you didn't have to deal with him. Now you're stuck with him. If you don't find a better option, you're punting on the season. This is where this gets really, really tricky for the Jets. Because right now, it's not just a quarterback problem that they have. They're going to have a full-on organizational issue very soon if they continue to ride with Wilson. We are in year three of the Robert Sala tenure as head coach. He is currently 12 and 24 as the head coach of the New York Jets. He's winning one third of his games. Now, granted, a lot of that's not his fault. Should have won more with Aaron Rodgers, but people get hurt. And this isn't year one. This is year three. You went four and 13. You went seven and 10. And now you're one and one. And it looks like the season's going to get away from you. What are the Jets going to do at the end of this season if they're 6-11, and 11, if they're 7-10 and 10 again? And they're looking to Rodgers, who's going to be in his age 41 season off a major, major injury, and the last time we saw him play, it was a down year. Are, are you going to stick with the same coach and then hope that Rodgers comes in and bails you out and you have a great season? And then what? what if you don't win the Super Bowl, what happens the next year? Is Rodgers back for another season, his age 42 year, and that's going to be your run to the Super Bowl? Jets are in a real bad spot right now, and if they're going to ride with Wilson any longer, 
this thing's this thing's done. The team's well, going to end up quitting problem. on him because the defense is not going to stand for this. All right, but what what do you do? What do you do? Tim Boyle? Like the 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 answer is not here. What you do is you become the biggest fan of every team the Minnesota Vikings are playing. What you do is do everything you can to call Brandon Staley and say, uh, hey, you need any help getting ready for the game this week? Because I notice <laughs> you're not really doing too well so far. Hey, maybe we can, you know, uh, let's get Albrecht here, the defensive coordinator, to help you out. Let me figure out how to stop the Vikings. I mean, you have to do everything you can to get Minnesota to move off this and to realize at 0-3 or 1-4 or whatever it is that the season's over and they need to cut their losses. The because problem- other than that, I don't know what you can do here to feel good about this. I mean, one thing that was really bothersome, I listened to Zach's entire press conference today from last night. And there are still the times where he will say, when things go wrong, or he's talking about something negative, he'll say, we. And when things go right, he'll say, I. I still feel like I'm seeing the field pretty well today. Now, he's gotten better at it, but it's aggravating. And Rex Ryan jumped on this this morning on Get Up. This kid drives me crazy, Which this kid? Zach Wilson. I'm going to tell you why. why. Zach Wilson, he goes, I was seeing it really well early for three quarters. How about we were seeing it well, we were doing all right. And then at the end he goes, there'll always be things we can clean up. How about you clean up yourself? Anytime it goes wrong, start with I, not we. When it goes well, start with we and not I. You got it ass backwards, kid. And you heard Ryan Clark follow it up immediately with like, yeah, that's, that's a tutorial in leadership there. Now, they're still doing everything they can. The teammates are not bailing on him right now, Joe, because they know they can't afford to. But it's not going to be long, dude. No, it's not going to be long at all. And that tutorial is a year one tutorial. That's a rookie year tutorial. That's not year three. That's not year three. If you didn't have the wake-up call after year two was disastrous, you got benched, and then the team went out and made a move for Rodgers. If that wasn't enough to shake you up into thinking, you know what, maybe something needs to change, maybe I need to do things differently, you're never going to get it. And if you're never going to get it, you're never going to win. And that's what the Jets are facing right now. The Kirk Cousins thing, we talked about this last week. People laughed at us. Now other people are talking about it. The problem there is that while he could come in and help, Minnesota at 0-2, possibly 0-3 after the Chargers come to town, they're still in a division that's filled with crap. The Lions just blew it in OT with 10 days to get ready against Seattle. Green Bay just lost. The Bears are 0-2, so the Vikings are going to be deluded into thinking that somehow, some way, they have a chance at this thing yeah. because 9-8 and eight might win that division. So they might not be willing to punt. The head coach isn't going to want to punt. He's going to want to save his job. So I, I don't know if Minnesota is going to be realistic enough to understand that they're not a good football team. They're not competing for a Super Bowl. Get what you can get now for Cousins, and the Jets might be able to find a way to make something happen here. They should be talking. If they're not, so be it. But there's nothing out there for the Jets. The longer they go with this, this Wilson thing, they're just going to keep losing. It's going to get worse. And then you're going to have to ask yourself if you're going to make a change at head coach. And that's going to be another problem the organization has to deal with this offseason. Well, that's where they can't do it. That, that's where the Jets have to, have to understand that they need consistency. You can't keep doing this every three years. You can't keep doing it every three years. And... Whether or not 
they actually get to the postseason this year can't be determined, can't determine the future of the head coach or the GM at this point. The GM has been dead wrong about the most important position with Wilson. He's done everything else pretty much right. The coach has been a guy that the players have responded to, and last year they found a way to win seven games with this kid at quarterback. I almost said something worse. And, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about if they score the league average, they win 12 games. So I'm not going to get on them for that because that defense has been pretty good. They need consistency with that. My problem is that there just is no real answer. And, you know, I hear Greeny screaming about it this morning. we got to find a game manager. They're out there. Where? Where are they out there? Yeah. Who's just giving up a game manager? Yeah. It's, the game manager is not there to be found at the moment. There's only a couple of options that you can definitively say would give you a chance and this is one of them. And here's what I'm fascinated by later on. Kirk Cousins is going to be on today on ESPN Radio with Freddie and Harry tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. I really wonder where his head is at with everything. I don't think he's going to say, I want to get out of Minnesota. But I don't think he's going to say, I don't want to get out of Minnesota. If he has a chance to go somewhere, like, just consider where this guy is in his career. He's 35 years old. He hasn't won very much, and he's gotten a knock for not getting it done in prime time, uh, even though he played very well last week. I think we could agree in the loss to the Eagles. You have a team over there with a dominant defense and an organization that has never, never been able to get out of their own way in the last 50 years. If you go there and you do something special – You are a hero for all time. A Super Bowl with the Jets is worth three anywhere else. (laughs) And a couple of teams are going to be lining up to sign you this offseason, brother. Absolutely. Lining up if you're looking for one more big payday. Absolutely. The great irony of all of this is that the Jets are sitting there. They've got weapons on offense. They've got an elite defense. They're just looking at the quarterback position saying, if we could just find a way to solve this, if we could get better here, we might have a chance at it. And if you fly 3,000 miles to the west, the Chargers have this great quarterback in Justin Herbert, and they can't do anything because the rest of the organization is so inept from top down that they are just squandering these Justin Herbert years. Absolutely squandering them at 0-2. This isn't meant to be a Charger rant. It's just look at the two teams. The, The Jets would love if they could get a quarterback in play. The Chargers have the QB, but have literally nothing else. And they're just a complete mess as a result. It's just fascinating to watch. Did fascinating. You hear, did you hear Staley after the game? <laughs> Had his cranky pants on. <laughs> I'm not listening to that. I know, I know where that story ends. I know that where that story should have ended last year after the Jacksonville game. I know where it should end right now. The organization's too cheap. They don't want to be on the hook for paying two coaches. So they brought him back to finish off his contract. And they're going to waste yet another year of Justin Herbert's talent. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Should Kirk Cousins want out? Will we get answers from Freddie and Harry with Kirk Cousins later today, 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio? There's only one way to find out. 
888-SAY-ESPN lines are open. We'll talk to you about the Jets, about the Cowboys as well, and whether or not they are the best team in the NFC, because if you think so, you're jumping the gun just a hair. We will get into all of that. And injuries uh, looking a little contagious in the New York area. The very latest on one of the major playmakers who is hoping to get big money this offseason and yesterday did not help. That is on the way in just moments. News on that injury on ESPN Radio at Series 6 M Channel 80. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. And the ball is knocked down and incomplete. Batted away by Adoree Jackson, and the Giants have done it. They trail 20 to nothing at the half, 28 to 7 early in the third quarter. It's their first comeback win of 21 or more points since 1949 against the Chicago Cardinals. I think we did a great job of creating some of those opportunities and calling stuff, getting guys open. The guys did a really good job making plays, and especially there in that second half. I mean, can we relax? I mean, am I supposed to go, woo! What a comeback win. Do you fall behind 20 to nothing to the Cardinals, Joe? Like, is that even legal? I didn't know that was legal to fall behind like that as the Giants did yesterday. So I'm, I'm, I'm paying particular attention to that game because I wonder 
Yeah. <laughs> so, shockingly, no no money of my own invested in that game, but I'm okay. in a really big survivor pool out here, and the number two selection of the week was the Giants. So that would yes. have eliminated a big portion of the pool. So I'm sitting there rooting for Arizona. I had Buffalo, which advanced. And I'm watching this entire game, entire game, and I'm watching them blow it, and I'm watching all of the stats that are coming out on the broadcast about where this comeback ranks in Giants history. It was like the biggest comeback in Giant history since 1950. And you see them all on the sidelines. They're hugging and they're celebrating like they've accomplished something. You went to Arizona and you beat the Cardinals barely. That's the end of the story as to what happened there. You digging that hole was your fault. You coming back was more a byproduct of how embarrassingly inept the Arizona Cardinals are. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of that team, is the master architect for second-half defensive meltdowns. And people (laughs) might think, oh, you're making a joke or it's hyperbole. Let's look at the last three games Gannon's been involved with in his career. Three games ago, he was the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. His defense went out in the second half of that game and was asked to defend four Kansas City possessions. Those four Kansas City possessions resulted in four scores, 24 total points. The only reason the Chiefs didn't score the full 28 on those four possessions was because it was the end of the game when they kicked the field goal to win it and they were bleeding out the clock. That was a terrible performance on Gannon's part. And his own players have called him out for it. So now he takes over as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Week one, they've got a fourth quarter lead against the Commanders. Stop traffic. They promptly blow the game. And then this week, they're up three scores. I think it was 28-7 to at one point in the second half. And they promptly blow that game. They couldn't get a single stop. They gave up nothing but chunk plays. The offense completely puked all over itself at the end of the game, going three and out, three and out. They couldn't do anything. It was pathetic. And the Giants are celebrating on the sidelines like they really just pulled off something miraculous. That's That, that shows you where the Giants are right now. Because they're about to go to Levi's on Thursday and get waxed by the 49ers. Yes, they are. And they're probably going to do it without Saquon Barkley. Here's Brian Dable, who is providing an update just a few minutes ago on where we stand with Barkley and his ankle injury that he suffered late in the game yesterday. Literally getting looked at as we speak. Uh, so I don't have the update on it because he's still being evaluated. You know, I'm hopeful. Haven't talked to him this morning before he went to, to get further tests, but, but I don't want to speculate until I have the full information. Yeah, that's going to be a beatdown and it's not going to be pretty um, in against the 49ers this week. Look, for Saquon, I feel awful because this has been the concern all along. He can't stay healthy. The Giants didn't want to pay him because he couldn't stay healthy and because he's a running back. And here we are again in this same situation. But more than anything, Joe, if they didn't win this game, the season was over. I can make the argument that all along I have not felt they're very good. I've not felt they're very good. They were the beneficiaries of a very easy schedule last year. In fact, the easiest in all of football. And now they have a top three or four schedule in the league. And they got a little better, but they didn't get enough better, certainly, for me to think that it's going to be any different. And now, just being in that position to begin with, I mean, that that to me is unforgivable. You sat here last week and said, the Giants are a virtual lock. 
for this coming week. And I think America agreed with you based on what you just told us on your survivor pool. I would have been absolutely jumping on the Giants in this survivor pool. And I would have been throwing things all over the house in the first half watching that happen. It's inexcusable. I mean, they found a way to get it done, but the the problem for the Giants right now is they're being held to a higher standard than they should be because last year they exceeded expectations in a big way. Like, this was a really bad organization. David Gettleman, the former general manager, had done an awful job from a personnel standpoint. The coaching under Joe Judge and some of the other previous coaches, it was just a disaster. So this was a once-proud organization that had fallen on very tough times. They make the change. They bring in the guys from Buffalo. Brian Dable comes in to be the head coach. And in a year where, you know, had they gone 6-11 and 11 and been competitive, people would have said we're moving in the right direction. And then this year would have been more of a maybe we'll threaten for a wild card spot. And you'd look at the schedule and say, it's going to be tough, but let's just take a step in the right direction. No, instead, the Giants go out. They surprise everybody last year, thanks to an easy schedule. They go 8-4-1 and one in one-score games, which is a big red flag that regression's coming. They beat Minnesota in the playoffs, which, good win, but we knew they were Fugazi. And then you went to Philadelphia and got waxed. So now, suddenly coming into this year, everyone thinks the Giants are going to take another step forward. They were already three steps ahead of where they should have been. So we're holding them to this high standard. They get beat up in the first game of the season. They go to Arizona and they struggle. They're about to lose probably the next four. I think we'll be seeing them at one and five. And the season's going to get away from them. That doesn't mean Dable's not a good coach or that the Giants aren't heading in the right direction. It just means the expectations weren't properly set before this season started because everyone's mindset was clouded from the fake season they saw a year ago. You know, our our friends over at... uh... ESPN just put up a, a stat on the screen as you were talking, and it is what the FPI says the Giants are going to do now through week 12. Through week 12, they did not have a better than 50% chance, according to FBI, FPI, to win any game, and that includes a trip to visit the Raiders in Vegas. Not a better than 50% chance to win any game along those lines. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Niner game coming up, they're already 10-point underdogs. They opened 9.5, and, and immediately sharp money came in and grabbed the Niners. You get the Seahawks the following week, who they showed us this past week. They can still be dangerous. At the Dolphins, looks like a loss in Week 5. At the Bills, looks like a loss in Week 6. You're hosting the Commanders in Week 7. Suddenly, they're not the joke we thought they'd be. They're 2-0. and It might yeah. not look pretty, but they found a way to be 2-0. and Then you got the Jets, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Commanders, the Patriots. It, it's not going to go very well. It's not going to go very well. Yesterday, do not be fooled by what you saw in the second half. The game's four quarters. Second half, they played well. First half, they were terrible. And they're playing a terrible team that looks like they're actively tanking for the number one overall pick you shouldn't have to struggle to that extent and lose a guy like Saquon Barkley in order to survive that some of these games shouldn't require this much effort to survive that one did and and that's because they were not ready to go in the first half of that game at all Carlin versus Joe ESPN radio series XM channel 80 don't forget if you miss any of the show you go right to the podcast Carlin versus Joe wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Carlin versus Joe, at Chris Carlin, at Joe Fortenbaugh. Do it all. Be a part of the program. Up next, in just moments, the defending Super Bowl champs, well, they found a way to get a win, and they had one of their biggest pieces back, but he wasn't the reason they won. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 
10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Enough is enough! I have had it with these takes on this plane! Everybody strap in! This plane is headed down the runway and ready for the NFL takeoff. Ah, I love it. There is nothing better than a good snakes on a plane reference. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Let's not waste any time. It's time for NFL takeoff. Dolphins 24, Patriots 17. Look, Mike McDaniel outcoached Belichick last night, and the Patriots don't have a good offense. Mac Jones, eh. You know, Mac Jones could go back and be the starter at Alabama right now without a problem, but... That's not really saying much for Mac Jones, and that's not really saying much for Alabama, the way things are. This is this is bad. They have a bad offense in New England, Joe. They don't have any wide receivers. You got to at least have somebody who can compliment somebody else, and they don't have that, and it's going to lead to a bad year in New England. The Miami Dolphins currently have the favorite for MVP, the favorite for Coach of the Year, the favorite for Offensive Player of the Year, and they're the favorites to win the AFC East. That should be the story. The story is this. Since Tom Brady left New England, Bill Belichick is now 25 and 27 in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He is two games under 500. Two years ago, he went to the playoffs. He got in because his team was a seventh seed, and he promptly lost by 30 points to the Buffalo Bills in one of the biggest blowouts the playoffs saw that year. Matt Jones was his draft pick, his guy to replace Tom Brady. He's not panning out. He's not developing. He's not getting any better. And oh, by the way, Belichick made a huge mistake last year when he brought Patricia and Joe Judge in as his offensive coordinators and set the organization back a year with that little experiment. Belichick's done. It's not going to be a thing where they fire him after the season. I'm sure they're going to keep him around probably for another year. But what we've seen in what is a sizable amount of evidence has not been impressive since Tom Brady left that organization. Not at all. And as far as Miami's concerned, they are headed for very, very good things, it looks like, in the AFC East. Cowboys 30, Jets 10. Uh, Zach Wilson confirmed not good at football. Zach Wilson (laughs) confirmed not good at football. Uh, That was evident yesterday. 
Cowboys had the football for 42 minutes in that game. Their defense looked dominant, as it should, uh, against a bad Jet offense. And Dallas is simply doing what they are supposed to do, and they are doing it in impressive fashion through the first two weeks. But don't get it twisted. They are not, not, not ahead of the 49ers or the Eagles yet. If you're going to take out the champs, in this case, the Eagles are the NFC champs, you got to do something rather other than just maybe getting by on the cards. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to take the belt from a champ, you got to go beat the champ. And the Niners are in this conversation as well because they were number two in the NFC championship game last year. Good looking so far for the Cowboys, but you beat Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson. All right, that doesn't elevate you to top team in the NFL status. The positive here, Dak Prescott looked very, very good against a defense that was supposed to be an all-time unit, according to them. DJ Reed had no problem putting his defense up there with the 85 Bears, with the Baltimore Ravens, and with the Legion of Boom. And they went in there yesterday to face Dak Prescott in a game where the defense had to set the tone. They gave up a touchdown immediately on the opening drive. Dak Prescott completed 81% of his passes, committed no turnovers, and was sacked just one time. Cowboys were 50% on third down. Credit Prescott. He looked fantastic yesterday. He absolutely did, and the Cowboys are doing everything that they are supposed to do right now. And the Jets have to be very careful to not let this season get away from them quickly. You have to address the problem. Team 17, Jaguars 9. Chris Jones looked good, huh? Jeez. Yeah. He's all over the field. Travis Kelsey was back, and he caught a touchdown, and that's great. Chris Jones was the bigger factor in that game. I am absolutely stunned, even with Chris Jones looking as good as he did, that the Jaguars only put up nine points on the Chiefs. That is unreal to me. That is more shocking to me than the Chiefs only putting up 17 on the Jaguars. Yeah, if you want to break this game down, I think that's the key takeaway. We thought the Kansas City Chiefs were going to bounce back, especially since they had Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones in the lineup. Patrick Mahomes rarely loses two games in a row. Andy Reid rarely loses when he has extra time to prep, and they did have 10 days to get ready for that game. But Jacksonville, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was 15-1 to to win the MVP this year. This was supposed to be the big coming-out party for the Jags. They had 271 total yards. They averaged 4.2 yards per play. If that was their season average it would have ranked dead last in the nfl last season they turned the ball over one time this might be the big kicker they were plus two in turnover differential and still lost that game by eight when kansas city comes to your house scores 17 points commits three turnovers and doesn't look that good and still beats you by eight points you got to go back and look at look in the mirror and you got to check out the drawing board because that, that that's a big problem for jacksonville that they that game was served up on a silver platter and they couldn't do anything with it same thing happened in that playoff game last year they're at arrowhead and mahomes gets hurt it was chad henney and they couldn't do anything with it it's i tell you i am a believer in the jaguars but that game disappointed me greatly yesterday when all of those things happen and you don't find a way at home to get it done bills 38 raiders 10 well, they got right, and Josh Allen, you know, made the right decisions. That's good. He still took some chances, but for whatever reason, they seem to work out a lot more at home than they do on the road. And I don't know if we uh, were unaware that the Raiders are not very good. They're just, they're not very good. They didn't have yeah. a chance in that game. 
It's the same old story. The Raiders just got pushed around. They went up 7 nothing in that game, and then afterwards they got completely blown out. 38-3. Uh, to That was the run Buffalo went on right after that. Turnovers, sloppy play. You didn't look like you belonged on the same field with them. It's a tough road spot. It's the Bills' home opener. Bills coming off a loss, but it was also a short week for the Bills. So to go out there and win in Denver and then turn around and just get blown out, it's hard to get, get behind the idea that it might be a new era with the Raiders. They were going to lose that game pretty much no matter what. The point spread told you that, but it could have looked a little bit more competitive. Garoppolo made some really bad decisions in that game. Yeah, speaking of the tire fire in Denver. Commanders 35, Broncos 33. Holy crap. I mean, the Broncos were up 21-3 on the Washington Commanders, and they let them come back to beat them. And not only that, Joe, they let them come back, and the Commanders had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't just come back. It was come back and take complete control of the situation, and they have now lost at home. Yeah, they had the Hail Mary and all that. The Hail Mary couldn't even save them because they couldn't get the two-point conversion. Just think about that. They lost to the Raiders last week at home, and now they lose to Washington at home. That is just god-awful. I, the, my favorite part of this game, and it was a pretty fun game to watch. My favorite part of this game was the Broncos converting the Hail Mary, stunning the world and thinking, yep. oh, my God, we, we pulled off this miraculous play that works less than 5% of the time. We got a chance at this. They go out, they blow the two-point conversion, and everyone's hands are in the air yelling and screaming about how it's pass interference, as if that was the determining factor for why you lost that game. The pass interference really jobbed the Denver Broncos yesterday and cost them. That didn't cost them. Your defense stunk. Your second-half performance offensively stunk. You took too many sacks. You made too many mistakes. Blaming the officials at the end is very convenient, but you never even should have been there to begin with. And just lastly... That's the best two-point play you can come up with? Yeah. Uh, Like, you don't have something in the back pocket, Sean Payton, in that situation. A little trickery. Try to catch him off guard. Come on. Terrible job. (laughs) Terrible job. Titans 27, Chargers 24. Oh, ironic that I said terrible job, and we got to this mess. What did I say to you the other day? What did I say? If the Chargers lose in Tennessee, Brandon Staley should be fired. Yep. Well, Brandon Staley should be fired. And not just because they lost the game, Joe, but after they had a one-touchdown lead, what did they do? They let them go right down the field. I mean, Tannehill is throwing bombs to guys I've never heard of to lead into that drive uh, to go tie the game up and send it to overtime. How do you lose to the Tennessee Titans? I don't care that it was on the road at Tennessee. I don't care that Mike Vrabel's a great coach. They're not a good team. The Chargers are more talented. You said it earlier. The AFC's a mess, and the Chargers should be right there to take control. And this one is getting away quick. You've got a franchise quarterback, and you're not getting it done. Staley, adios. Let's go. This was such a great Chargers performance because it was everything you've come to know and love about the Chargers, right? So, for example, the Titans already have a bad offensive line and they're down I think at least one starter in that game and at the end of the game the Chargers who have spent a ton of money on Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack can't generate any pressure at all they can't get anything going with all that money there okay that's one thing number two you have Justin Fields who's playing a pretty solid game they get the ball to start overtime and it's three 
three horrible passes that are nowhere near the wide receiver. So once again, we look at Herbert and we don't blame him for the loss because we have Staley as the target. But Herbert did nothing. Over three, they give the ball to Tennessee. Tennessee comes out and scores and wins the game. But here's the ultimate play in this game. Third and one, Tennessee's probably like, don't quote me, but there may be a 65-yard field goal away. So they need another first down. They need to pick up some more yardage to try to win this game in overtime. Third and one, Derrick Henry is not on the field. Obviously, you want to give the ball to Derrick Henry. He's not on the field because I think he was tired because he had just run the ball a couple times in a row. So the Titans don't have him out there. Staley calls timeout on the Chargers' behalf. Vrabel gets Henry back in the game. He immediately converts the third and one on a simple handoff. Like, what are you doing? How is it that you realize you have a strategic advantage and you call timeout so that Henry can get back on the field to convert? And then the Titans move the ball down the field. They kick the field goal, and that's the end of the game. Chargers going to Charger, and yesterday was a perfect example of everything that is wrong with that organization. That is part one of Takeoff. Part two, NFL Takeoff coming next hour. Carlin versus Joe. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. The only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. McCaffrey, a cutback, inside the five, breaks a tackle all the way to the goal line, touchdown, San Francisco! Debo breaks a tackle, Debo takes it all the way out to the goal line, touchdown, San Francisco! I was just pumped the way we finished, getting those turnovers was huge, and especially that fourth and one to get the ball back to fourth the clock a little bit. Yeah. 49ers get it done, but I'll tell you what, the Rams made them sweat. The Rams won last week, as we know, they beat up on Seattle. Are the Rams actually better than we thought? Could be. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joe, maybe so. Maybe the Rams are better than we actually thought they are. They're a very young team, and there they go out yesterday, and they lose by a touchdown to San Francisco. Definitely better than anticipated. And I got to walk that back because before the season started, I thought they were going to go into the tank for Caleb Williams. As did I. I. The beginning of the season was going to be a tough schedule for them in which they're probably going to start, you know, one in five. You looked around, Cooper Cup is injured. There aren't a lot of weapons that we knew of on the Ram offense. The offensive line was a concern. Stafford is older and coming off injury. Donald's back on a defense that didn't spend any money. They lost Jalen Ramsey. They lost Leonard Floyd. They lost Bobby Wagner. And they have been really competitive. Stafford looks really sharp back there. He's making good reads. He's getting rid of the ball. You know, that's a good Niner team. A really good Niner team with a great defense. And Kyle Shanahan traditionally has owned Sean McVay 
in, uh, well, the regular season mostly because that yeah. playoff game didn't go their way. But he's had a good record against him. And, and the Niners had the fight for everything yesterday. That Rams team, man, give them credit. They have been a lot better than expected. I was dead wrong on them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had the little issue with Cam Akers. He did not uh, dress for the game. Uh, tweeted out he was kind of annoyed. Didn't know why it was happening. You know, I don't know how much longer Cam Akers is going to be on that team, even though he's their lead back. I really don't. I, I don't think that's been the smooth situation here no. for quite some time. For quite some time. But there was an odd moment late in that game yesterday, which leads us to Sean McVay and whether or not he is public enemy number one today. You could just taste a win. It tastes so good. Until one player lets you down. This is public enemy number one. So, Joseph, what was the spread on the 49ers-Rams yesterday? 49er-Ram game, it depends on where you got it, because some people got it early in the week, Rams plus eight and a half, but for others, it closed right around seven. Niners minus seven. Okay, so final score, 49ers 30, Rams 23. So that means either a bunch of people pushed on that bet if they got it late with the Niners, or... They ended up winning with the Rams because they had seven and a half, eight, or eight and a half. Right. But if you had the Niners, not great. Not great. <laughs> and here's why. <laughs> Brett Maher, or Maher, uh-huh, Maher, Maher, the kicker, sent out there with no time left to kick a 38-yard field goal for the Rams. And it left a lot of people thinking... Oh, did Mr. McVeigh pay attention to what the point spread was on that game to make sure they covered? People were very upset. Not happy about that whatsoever. Now, I did a little checking on this, and if you did bet on the 49ers, and let's say you were laying, I don't know, seven and a half, and you lost that game, uh, I see why you would blame him, and I would see why you would make him public enemy number one. I was ready to do that. Uh... I think that McVeigh actually did it for later in the year. This team, as we just said, is better than they expected. But think about this for a second. They're going to play San Francisco again. McVeigh believes in this team. So down the line is McVeigh thinking, these guys can look back. Guys, you know, I don't think they play him again until like double digits, right? As far as weeks. Guys, We only lost that game by one score. We had them right on the ropes. And if the Rams are in this at all with a young team, you can kind of fool them into that. I know that sounds a little crazy. All I'm telling you is don't put that out of the realm of possibility as something that happened as opposed to Mr. McVay knowing what the point spread was. There is no room for that sort of reasonable analysis on this show. And I'm not going to warn you. I'm not going to warn you about that again. Well, what you just laid out makes perfect sense and is probably what actually ended up happening. I need to believe that McVeigh understood the point spread. He kicked the field goal and he took care of business for his boosters, much like James Franklin at Penn State likes to do or any of the other. Hey, that's the thing. When you're in the booster club, you know the coaches who have got you covered. Oh, Joe did that to Rutgers once or twice. Let's throw a bomb late in the game. They know it. They know it. David Shaw, of all people, bailed me out of a Rose Bowl against Iowa 
Iowa, the most conservative coach of all time, took a deep shot on like a third and one play action call when they already had it wrapped up to be able to score the touchdown and cover the number. David Shaw was as conservative as they come, and he bailed me out. I got a public enemy for you, too. Can I drop one on you? Oh, absolutely. I was there. My money was taken from me in person. T-Mobile Arena, Saturday night, uh, Noche UFC, the UFC Fight Night event. It was a fantastic card, had a wonderful time, had Valentina Shevchenko in the main event, minus 165. Shevchenko won that fight, at least in my opinion, in the eyes of many. Mike Bell, one of the judges, scored the fifth round 10-8 for Alexa Grasso. That meant his card had the fight as a 47-47 draw with one judge giving it to Grasso and one judge giving it to Shevchenko, which means the fight was a split draw. Shevchenko did not lose that final round 10-8. If she loses it 10-9 like the other judges scored it, Bell would have had it for Shevchenko, and it would have been 2-1, to one, split decision, she regains her belt. But instead, it's a split draw. And to make matters worse, as soon as the fight ended, the, my buddy and I, we sprinted out of the arena to beat the traffic thinking we had already won money, and then we find out in the parking lot they ruled it a draw and we oh. didn't get anything. Oh, that's like, you know, leaving the 49ers Rams game early thinking you're covered. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You think you're fine. Well, you know what happened to you? That judge served you up the old screw job. That's exactly yeah. what happened right there. <laughs> and unfortunately, you end up on the short end on that one. We have all had it. By the way, every college team I bet on on Sunday, they're public enemy number one. <laughs> this is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.